Welcome to Spirit School. My name is Danielle Serenk, also known as the Squamish Medium. I am the host of your Spirit School, where I will share all the lessons and learnings that I have uncovered through my intuitive development and mediumship development journey. I am a professional psychic and medium and intuitive teacher and mentor, and I look forward to walking alongside you on this journey. Hello everyone and welcome back to Spirit School. This is an episode where I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I was recently interviewed on Instagram Live with my buddy, uh, Madeline, who is into me at I-N-T-U-M-I. She interviewed me for her Instagram page and I just thought it was worth to share an interview with me because on my podcast, it's very two-dimensional for me. Um, I don't have people prompting asking me good questions I just basically show up and just say what I'm inspired to say which is fine and dandy but I have received so many messages from people based off of this interview and so I feel like it may add a bit of depth a little bit of power to uh, the conversations I like to have with you on spirit school so I do hope you enjoy this episode Uh, because this is a recording off Instagram the sound quality is not going to be to the par that I usually have it but much the same I hope you enjoy our conversation. Like your journey into this and something I was just wondering, um, since you do, you have an indigenous heritage, right? Like that's, Mm -hmm. so I'm just wondering, because I know that that culture can be quite spiritual and involved with like the other realm. Has that influenced your decision towards mediumship in any way? Has it hindered it or or what's kind of the relationship with that? Um, It was actually, um, it was like my First Nations grandmother, I'm Swampy Cree, First Nations of York Factory, Manitoba. And then I'm also Scottish and English descent as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 love, I love my Celtic heritage as well. Um, but my Indigenous heritage, it was my grandmother I lost first. She was my first spiritual connection on the other side. Um, she is always the first one to come through for my students. And so she is one of the energies that comes through so my students can practice and get confident in their abilities. In our Indigenous culture, it's called spirit talking. It's very common, uh, which is a funny story because I called myself the Squamish Medium because I worked at a First Nations health organization. And I worked very hard for my reputation there because I didn't have the PhD. I didn't have the master's degree that my cohorts had. I had high school and a motorsports background. And they loved me. And I, I, re- I rose up the ranks with ease, which is probably my, you know, Capricorn South node. But like, I rose up the ranks with like, extreme ease. And I was so protective of my reputation that um, I called myself Squamish medium instead of my name, because I didn't want my name associated with it. But when I finally came out at work, and it was actually through the organization I worked at that I really connected with my culture because I was in charge of Indigenous health and wellness from the elders lens and from the youth lens. And so I got to sit with a lot of elders. I got to sit with a lot of our Indigenous youth and um, just realized how normal this really is. And when I came out at work about my abilities in 2017, they were so supportive. They were even like hiring me to do readings for the elders at the like healing ceremonies and they still will hire me to come do readings at their events without a doubt. And so I, it was a big eye opener to me actually how inclusive um, the culture is to this work. And I mentored under Aboriginal medium, Sean Leonard for a year. Um, And he's one of the best mediums in the world, if not the best in my opinion. And he just released a show. It's ending now, but 
it's called spirit talker and so there's this rise of the indigenous spirit right now and there's people coming out of um you know with their gifts um mm -hmm. and i love tying into the culture i love and a lot of the practices that we do we smudge right that's a lot of it is the indigenous teachings and yeah i totally connect with it without a doubt um yeah so ties in that way somewhat for sure that is so fascinating yeah i've always been so especially since moving to bc because i'm from ontario and the indigenous presence in Ontario isn't really that prevalent, unfortunately, but when I moved to BC, there was such a, a more embracing of that. And I've just become so fascinated with my friends that are indigenous and, and learning about their culture and stories. And yeah. it, it's so interesting. And I, and just as I was like kind of writing up this question, I'm like, oh, like there must be some kind of connection in there. And to see that they're like supporting you and all of that, because oh, that's that's really incredible. Yeah, they're, they're still supportive of me, even since I left my old boss still reaches mm -hmm. out to me. In Ontario, you guys have like larger tribes or larger um, reservations. And in BC, we have 203 unique um, individual communities. And that's different than all the other provinces in Canada, which is why. Yeah, definitely. I have this like theory that it just took the settlers so much longer to get to BC that the, that the culture had much more time to like get better roots and kind of be aware of like the people incoming from the east in a way but yeah well colonization the colonization happened from east to west and so we have eight treaties all across canada and it literally stopped at the rockies so there's 200 now so the government had to deal with 203 individual communities um in bc whereas the rest of canada is lumped into eight um because yeah much like you say they just um they stopped around the rockies so it's <laughs> fascinating yeah so That's right so on there cool. <laughs> I feel like we could talk about that forever, but let's we'll get back to mediumship and your journey. I'm so curious to know, like, what was the first inkling you had of, like, a spirit communicating with you? And then how long did it take you to realize that that was, like, your gift that you needed to be sharing with people? Yeah, well, there was... Um my spirit guide introduced himself to me when i was seven at a local pool i was just at a swimming pool and this boy came up to me on my age he's like oh my name's skylar and like i'm covered in shivers and i can almost cry even telling the story but i just said oh i have a spirit guide named skylar and i said that to him and then we ended up playing and then went on our way and i realized that that was my guide introducing himself to me and from that moment on i never felt alone like in my entire life, I never felt alone. I always felt like I was always having someone around me. And he didn't reintroduce himself to me until I was 31. But I did have that experience and it totally changed my life. I became obsessed with spirituality and my parents weren't that into it back then. Um, you know, my, my dad was recovering. My mom didn't know where she landed in the faith and my dad's a intergenerational residential school survivor. So there's like a lot of healing even there. My grandmother was a survivor. And so there's a lot of complications in healing with that. And so the next few years of my life were spent um, searching faith and I ended up attending every church i went to jehovah church catholic church sunday school bible camp wednesday dinners at the church i i love the paper i love the bible i was like the weirdo kid um and so i was just i had all these different um signs throughout my life that i should get curious about spirituality and even as a teenager as an awful teenager i was 
I was an F up. Like if I could say that, like I was a total F up as a teenager, but I, I never missed Sylvia Brown and Montel and I never missed John Edwards crossing over. And I started seeing mediums when I was 17 myself because I went through an abusive situation and my abuser ended up dying. And I was very confused about what happens to us when we die. Like, does that mean they go to heaven? Does that mean they go to hell? Or like, do I even believe in hell? Like what's going on? So I started connecting with mediums, trying to connect with this person to see what happened to them. Like what happens to you? And um, every medium I went and saw since I was 17 said that I would be a medium. But because I was like getting pretty heavy into drugs and alcohol and just like, not tending to my body and not tending to my spirit i never believed them i was like there's no way angels are going to talk to me like i was arrested last week i was in the back of a cop car i'm like there's no way angels are talking to me and um it took that that guilt and that shame carried with me for a very long time and it wasn't until um i entered in my 20s just abusive relationship after abusive relationship and i finally healed that cycle and i met my husband when i was 27 and it was the first person who really loved me and like really accepted me for all my weirdness and we ended up having a child together and it was through the birth experience of having my girl that i just started having these mediumistic experiences i started um, noticing lights in her room and i would see things all the time and i just became more spiritually aware again much like i did when i was seven and um and then 17 i, I always say i had three awakenings and um then the teacher appeared and i ended up sitting with this teacher who was the fifth medium who said that I was a medium and I was like well I'm not pure enough to be a medium without a doubt and she just laughed at me she was like oh my god like all mediums are stuff ups like, yeah. like all mediums are stuff ups I'm like okay and she gave me my first mediumship experience where she had me sit with somebody and just say what do you sense and I connected with this um boy who had an overdose for his mom and I knew his name and I knew it was her son and she reached out and like she grabbed me and she held me and she was so um desperate to hear from him and i got so scared that was probably the first time i ever got really scared because i realized at that very moment that first mediumship link that um wow i have a big responsibility here with this gift and so i ended up spending the next three years um just focused on development not i'm reading for other people because i was like if i'm going to meet people like this who have had such a crazy loss and are in so much pain i'm going to make sure i know what i'm doing before i put myself out there yeah so that's kind of my journey and then the rest is history i mean i've just been developing and um doing readings and teaching as much as i can too and it's kind of like the story of it. That is so incredible. Oh my gosh. The, the with the boy and his his mom, like that must have been really emotional. Um the kind of follow-up to that, and you did mention it a bit, but I've heard a lot of people say that when they give birth, like that really elevates their spiritual connection. And I was wondering if you can just maybe like touch on that a little bit more, like how did that feel? Was it an, an immediate thing or was it more of like a development thing or yeah. the process of birth was a lot of all of us have the ability to connect with spirit all of us have the ability to be mediums like god's not going to pick and choose she's not going to pick and choose like it's you 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 and you right everyone with intention and practice and devotion can connect with their loved ones and spirit but it's usually through a traumatic experience like birth and death um the death of a loved one that these abilities awaken within us and so for me 
not only it took me four years to have my daughter and four losses and my pregnancy with her was very traumatic. I was taken out of work. I was on bed rest. I never thought I was coming home with a baby. So I was in the psychological um, suffering of like, I'm just not coming home with this baby. Like it's been four years. We haven't had any success. And then the birth experience was more traumatic than I ever could have anticipated. And it took me a long time to heal emotionally. I went into um, a bit of a depression after her birth, but in Canada, we're very lucky. We get a year off. So, and my work paid me 100% my income. So I had like the whole year to kind of like heal. Um, but I do feel that it was necessary. And I do feel that um, my gifts came with her birth because they're for her. I feel very much because she I could show you videos of her room when she was a baby. It's a light show. She had like, a she was never alone. I ne She started talking about angels from the second she could talk. I never thought about angels in my entire life. I was like, why do you keep talking about a blue angel? And like, you know, it was just kind of weird. So I feel that my abilities came when they came because I need to prepare for whatever she has chosen for her path. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what I think unique to my situation. And, you know, she's not like this, like, like guru kid or anything. She's like a bratty kid without a doubt. Like she's six, she tells me she hates me all day. Like she's not like this, like guru kid. And I'm not trying to raise her like one, but I do know that there must be a reason why this awoken within me through her birth through her process of incarnating and so i'll just be here ready to answer any questions whenever she's ready to um awaken to her own gifts right oh my gosh that is incredible that makes so much and i was just listening to your live yesterday i think and you were talking about the tarot card experiment where and, and how she was like way better at it and, and how she was it with her stomach or her head and she, she goes like this she goes green and hearts and like, or I'll put three cards down and I'll shuffle them and I'll be like, okay, pick the Mother Mary. We both love Mother Mary, me and her. And um, she will get it almost 100% of the time. Like, she just goes like this. And then she'll explain things to me where she'll say, you know, mom, my mind said that it was this one, but my body said it was this one. And she went with the body. And I'm like, you're so smart, girl. I'm like, you're so smart. Yeah. <laughs> That is incredible. Oh my gosh, she is so lucky to have you as a mom because you can help to nurture that. I find like kids are very in tune with that naturally, but then to have a parent that can nurture that and yeah. just like, that's great. Like, let's do some like fun games around it. Like, that is incredible. Oh my gosh. I, I try to make it fun. I try to make it fun because yeah. she's also the one where I tell her, I'm like, Katie, do you know that you're a goddess? And she'll just like roll her eyes. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, you better be meditating me one day, girl. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. Oh my gosh. Makes me so excited for that journey for, for me down the road, <laughs> later down the road. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So I'm curious around like coming out of the spiritual closet. Like we talked about, uh, you talked about fears and stuff. So there must've been a lot of fear around that. You said you're in the corporate world. So like, what was that like for you? And for people who are in a spiritual closet, is there any advice you can give to them who are like scared that have unsupported families or partners or something like that? And you must have had maybe some experiences with that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the hardest person to come out to was, well, my husband and my boss. Like my boss is my boss, um, who is one of the most supportive, kind, generous, 
I just admire the pants off her. Like she writes books on indigenous healing. They're taught in universities. She's only two years older than me. She gave me every single opportunity to succeed. And that was not always my experience with women, um, especially in the corporate world. And I admired her so much. And so when I had to tell her that I came out of the closet because it was gonna be on Facebook and I wanted her to find out from me because I respected her. It was the most uncomfortable conversation I've ever had in my life. And I bought her sushi. I was like sitting at her desk. I'm like, so you're gonna see this stuff online but you just need to know I'm coming back to work I don't intend on like leaving my job to do this um and it was a really awkward conversation and we've never really talked about it since but we both left our our company at the same time and so we do keep in touch and I still love her she still loves me she's not into what I do but we have other things in common too right actually yeah. many of my friends are not interested in what I do like no one's ever asked me for a reading they never asked me like, oh, what I do um that's just the people who are like around me other than my Instagram friends right yeah. um and the second hardest was my husband because, you know, I'd always worked in the motorsports industry. I always worked with race cars. I was always in my masculine. Um, we met on a race team and we got married on that race team. And then all of a sudden they have my girl and I tell him I'm a medium. He does not believe in the afterlife. He does. He thinks well, we're meet when we go. Um, he also had his own tragic loss with his dad. And, you know, he, he's still, I think, healing from that in a lot of ways. And so it's taken us seven years to really get comfortable with my gift. And he was actually the one who ended up encouraging me to leave my job um, to do this full time. And he's, he's so supportive of me, Danielle, his wife. Um, he, he doesn't care about the readings. He doesn't care about anything like that. He keeps me so incredibly grounded um, that it's like what I need. I think he's the perfect gift to me in this life. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes to coming out, I guess like one of the things, like I love a couple quotes, like if I get cheesy for a second, but people yeah, think a lot of less about us than we think, right? Maybe there's gonna be like a Band-Aid sticking off, but they're not gonna be thinking about us 10 minutes later. So it's yeah. like really by living in the closet and, and thinking continuously about what people are gonna think, you're literally living your worst case scenario all the time, right? And so you're really torturing yourself. Um, and then the other thing too is it's none of my business what other people think of me. It, it isn't. And I mean, the fact of the matter is, it's like if you want to live a joyful life and you want to have a joyful existence, you can't, you can't care what other people think of you. You just can't. The two just don't go together. So you can choose to self-suffer or you can choose to live an expansive, joyful life. And one is in the closet, one is out. Wow. That is some powerful, powerful stuff. The thing you said about what what other think what others think of you is none of your business. That's wow. I love that. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna bring that down or something. <laughs> well, to give it credit, proper credit, I first heard it from James on Prague, who's a yeah. very world famous medium, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, and it's just like just do the thing. I mean, almost yeah. everything I've done, I had to do scared. And you just do it scared and you walk right through it and then it has no more power over you. Oof, that is so powerful. I, I have a similar thing that I say to myself when I'm feeling really nervous or anxious and like, it's okay to be anxious and worry what people think, but it's not okay to let that stop you from doing what you were going to do. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of similar to like that walking through, walking through the fear of it all. And just, we're going to always feel scared. I think even people who are showing up in celebrities and media and all that, they're probably really afraid on the inside, but they just do it anyways. Like they can't let it stop us. 
So, okay, my next question is fear. Let's just talk about fear. Like, what is it? Why can't we let it control us? And, and how do we just walk right through fear? Okay, so I truly believe our human experience, um, especially as we get older, I think we get knocked around after the age of 11. That's when we kind of like have real experiences where, you know, our friends are mean to us. We experience manipulation. We have all these uh, human experiences that end up forming this negative bias, right? So the, the default of the human experience is a negative bias when the positive bias is actually more realistic and more probable. But it's hard for us to get there because of the amygdala and because of the lizard brain, which Joe Spencer talks at length about. And so we tend to allow the negative bias to lead us because it's so palpable. I also have a theory. I haven't read it anywhere else. It's just mine. But I have this theory that our natural state, our natural essence and spirit is love, right? It's love and joy. And so when we experience things like fear, it's so palpable it's more palpable than love and joy because it's our natural state and so it seems to lead us because it's what we feel physically the most it's like whoa not a fan of this feeling I'm not going that way right yeah. yeah and that's like some students like I have to give them a picture that's traumatic for them to be able to tune into it so I'll give them a picture of a residential school I'll be like give me a read on this building and you know especially my american friends who don't know a lot about residential schools they'll be able to pick up the sorrow the sadness the grief so much easier than the the joy the love the etc 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 so that's how come i kind of formed that belief i was like oh it's interesting that we can pick up the negative stuff so much easier than the positive stuff mm -hmm. um so that's how i think people stay in fear is because um fear is not a good feeling right like yeah not a good feeling at all but yeah. the real only way to overcome fear is to just do the thing just mm -hmm. do the thing that scares you the most get it out of the way you might fail you might triumph but you don't know till you try and i promise you that the reward on the triumph side is way more powerful than the fear it's way more powerful the expansion that you feel is way more rewarding than the fear ever is and so you only learn that when you get on the other side of it and just do the thing mm -hmm. Ooh, that is so incredible. Yeah, literally just do the thing. <laughs> like Nike, like Nike says, just, just do it. <laughs> and it's hard, I know. Like leaving my corporate yeah. job was a two-year um, ordeal. Like it was oh, two yeah. years of staying in fear. And I never felt 100% right about leaving. It was never this like, I'm doing it. I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of this cycle. My journal is sick about me writing about this shit. So I'm like, we're just going to do it and just freaking see how it goes. And they love me so much. They'll hire me back if I fail. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, just, just leave. Just do the thing, right? Yeah, and I made five figures that first week as an entrepreneur. So I was like... All right, I'm doing this. Okay, girl. Okay, yeah. Hell yeah. That is incredible. Oh my gosh. And just you had kind of started it before, right? Before you quit. Like Oh yeah. Okay, okay. Six yeah. years. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, so yeah. How did you balance the two? Like what how did that that work? I'm kind of moving into my my old like kind of corporate-ish job again to try to balance the two. Just you know, with quarantine and everything to make it all work. But I'm curious, I guess, just for my own personal advice, like how, how do you balance that, your, your passion and your, well, your job? 
I had a very supportive husband. It did cause some marital conflict, right? Um, because, but the thing is like, I'm a really ambitious person and I'm very high function. So I can literally accomplish in like two hours, but some people can accomplish in eight. Um, I'm just very focused. I'm very driven. And um, so I was able to just pay, work it all out. Like even I just launched a, a program today that I conceptualized last week, right? And I only had two hours in the evenings to do it because I'm with my kids all day or I'm doing readings. So like, that's just how high function I am. And it's not good. I'm not saying everyone go get high function because I also um, eat because I need to ground or if things don't work out, it's a big crash, right? Like there's, there's shadow sides to this too, but that's the only way I, I managed it all. And the fact that readings and teaching is like what lights me up it's like literally what lights me up and of course I'm going to make space for it without a doubt right definitely it's like you almost can't not make space for it in your life and that's what happened last year I quit my job last year I handed in my notice and they were like well what do you want I'm like well I don't want to work full-time because I want to do these readings so they actually gave me Fridays off so I could do the readings on Fridays and that was really nice and it worked well for uh you know about six months and then I was like but why am I still here when it doesn't bring me joy like it doesn't light me up right so it's like it was just like it was an easy choice when you look at that if I choose to live my life of joy, then why would I choose something that doesn't bring me joy? Exactly. It's yeah. Simple. And simple. Did you have spirit guides that were talking to you saying like, leave your job or do mediumship? Like, was there anything like that? Or just, no, I, I, I'm very connected to my guides. Like, and I do talk with them all the time, but whenever I have these big life decisions to make, they kind of F off. They kind of like, they do they just literally say you know like you got to figure this out like you can't and one thing that Skylar's told me too is I swear like a trucker anyone who works with me I do swear a lot but you can't can't fuck this up Danielle he's like you stay and you stay or you go and you go it's like you can't make a wrong decision but what's going to bring you the most joy right like is that how you want to live your life and so they're not here to rescue us our guides and our angels they're not here to rescue us though some of us will have miraculous experiences where we do get divine intervention um Mm -hmm. they're just here to make sure that we try to accomplish as much as possible on our on our vision board on the other side right yeah definitely it reminds me of kind of like um like a counselor or a therapist you know they're not there to tell you what to do they're more just there to like guide you through the process and and uh give, bring up questions and, and things to think about so it's yeah. kind of just like a spiritual therapist in a way totally yeah. it was a gift itself, for sure oh my goodness um so I'm curious like in your readings and and such like in mentorships uh I guess more mentorships what are some of the common fears that come up for people around like becoming a medium and what do you say to those fears number one that they're going to be wrong. I will always tell them you will be wrong a lot. You'll be wrong a lot. And at the beginning, you'll be wrong more than you're right. But eventually, you're going to get to a point where you're going to be more right than you're wrong. Like every reading I have, not everything is understood. Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that spirit's not giving me the right information. They are. But my limitation as a human and as a medium, only seven years into my development um, is I'm still learning how to pick up a lot of the information they're putting down. So Mm -hmm. and then also sometimes my sitter has amnesia. (laughs) Right. And really just like doesn't remember some things. And then I get a call a few days later and then they're like, oh, yeah, I'm like, 
Yeah. But um, the biggest fear for people is being wrong. And I find that so fascinating. And so I tell them right up front, you will be wrong and you'll be wrong a lot. And the more you're wrong and you realize like you don't die and you can still hold your vibration, um, you're going to be okay being wrong. And so that's the number one fear. Yeah. Um, and the number one, two fears, probably the comparison trap. It's really because mediumship is so popular now and it's on TV and the five minute edits make it look like so good um, yeah. that they, you never feel good enough. You never feel ready. And so I talk a lot about the comparison trap, like on my podcast and even the course that I'm doing coming up. Um, it's like, that will be your downfall is if you compare. So I try to teach my students to look at other mediums work from admiration because a lot of the mediums that I admire are like 10 20 years ahead of me and I just know by watching them man I could be that good in 10 or 20 years if I stay on this path but other people tend to crumble and they'll just give it up because they they can't visualize that right but I'm ambitious I'm I have a dream I have a I have a big life to live and I know that and so I'll keep at it every single time wow I need some of that Virgo like and <laughs> I got my Virgo necklace on. Yeah, I love that. Oh man, like I'm a Pisces, so Virgo is my opposite. And like I need, I have like one Earth in my chart. I need more <laughs> Earth, and I need more grounding, and more of that like steady, patient pace. Because honestly, I that first thing you said, like I'm gonna be wrong. That is exactly how I feel. Like I definitely can, like get a sense that I have some kind of gift I, I have no like I've never I really do want to get a session with you like as mm. I'm able to afford it but that's exactly how I feel and you know what I'm just thinking as you were talking about that it's a muscle like we're you're gonna be wrong as you like you know go along that journey but then it's gonna lead you as long as you just keep going and that like wrong right like that just keeps building that muscle well it's like every other dichotomy you don't know what light is without dark you don't know what joy is without swearing mm -hmm. you don't know what right is without wrong yeah. right so yeah um, so you just got to take the the ego punches and just yeah. like keep going <laughs> exactly yeah because i think you were saying in, and with that tarot card exercise you get you're about 60 percent right yeah like which is pretty and good discourage them they'd be like 60 percent. that's a c minus or something like that you know but it's like you're still 60% right. That's still an incredible gift in itself. And you just keep growing that and building you that. To, you have to learn to celebrate. And I heard a great saying from one of my teachers is that sitters remember the hits, mediums remember the misses. So I only allow myself to think about a session for an hour after the session. After that, I have to let it go. I'm just like, let it go. You know what, Danielle, you did the best you could. You showed up as your best self and you just keep going. Right. And so it's just about not ruminating over it because you're, it, it's an ego thing to keep worrying about what you said, what you did when you should be more focused on spirit. Like, did I make you proud today? Sitter, did you have any kind of transformation or aha moments today? Because they're only remembering the stuff that connected for them right yeah wow, that's so true yeah i find after a reading that i would have gotten like from an astrologer or something whatever they said i really do only remember what actually resonates for me because mm -hmm. there's so much information that comes through it so that makes a lot of sense yeah i feel and again the other person's opinion isn't our business right whether they got stuff from it or not like we were there, we served, and we did our best. So, yeah, yeah I love that mentality. That, that makes so much sense. 
Um, moving, I guess, a little bit into the spiritual entrepreneurship realm, uh, what are some challenges you found now being a full-time spiritual entrepreneur and how do you overcome those challenges? Well, for me, I've been salaried since I was 17, right? Mm -hmm. I have had a bi-weekly paycheck since I was 17 years old and I was out of high school. My first job was for an international race team and a software company. And so um, the challenge for me is like some weeks I make $100, some weeks I make thousands. And mm -hmm. so for me, it's around being okay emotionally, psychologically in the weeks where you know, I'm not generating income, like I'm booking into July. So then my mind goes to like, well, what am I going to do in June? Right? Because I'm booking in July and sooner I'll be booking into August. And so for me, it's trying to find that entrepreneurial rhythm. Um, and then not um, hustling because my currency I value is time. It's not money. And so I'm having to constantly remind myself of that. Danielle, you don't want to work. I don't even want to work 10 hours a week. Like my, my dream is to do like nine readings, nine sessions a week, three weeks a month and have a week off, like, because I want to live life. Right. And so it's getting out of this conditioning that we've had for years from our wartime parents, generation, grandparents, generation, that value is money and that we're useless unless we're generating and making money. And really it's like, I want to live and I have to get out of that conditioning of earning, 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 and just realize I went out today and played with my kids for five hours and no one was waiting for anything, right? Like you can't pay for that. Yeah, it is so valuable. And it's a lesson I'm really learning myself, like coming from making a lot of money and then with quarantine, like losing your job and just having to survive off, off of government assistance. It's like, that hurts my, that hurt my ego like so much. But with Natalie in the course, as we were talking about our money stories, the, the rewrite I said was, um, my worth is stable regardless of my daily fluctuations. Mm -hmm. Like regardless of how much money I'm making every day, every week, whatever, even even my emotions and, and how those fluctuate. Cause I was trying, like I was tying my sense of worth to my income. So I was trying to separate that. But um, as I was going through trying to reframe it, I'm like, oh, my worth is tied to how much I love or it's tied to how much I am kind or whatever. But I'm like, there are still days when I'm, I'm a kind of a, you know, I'm in a low state. I'm not like my super affectionate, loving self. And I'm still worthy even on those days. So like my work is stable regardless of the daily fluctuations. And like that has really just started to shift something in me. And like even on Monday was the first day that I was really sad, but my sense of self-worth was stable. And I'm like, this is amazing. It's like constant celebration. And it's a huge shift and it's like, it's such a powerful one for sure. That's good transformation, right? And <laughs> it's just conditioning. It's how they've wanted us to live for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. On this, on this like hamster wheel. I always think of the movie, I don't know if you've seen that with Jerry Seinfeld, the B movie, where it's like they go to oh, the yeah. factory and it's like, you get one job for the rest of your life. He's like, we have to do this till the day we die. It's like, <laughs> it's such a, a symbolism of like the psychology that we have right and that mm -hmm. is gonna die and i think coronavirus is a big um, shifter in that like you're gonna have a hard time getting all these worker bees back at their desks right exactly yeah. once they've had that awakening and they, they've tasted freedom and actually i was in squamish just the other day and i was just wandering around the grocery store um there and i heard this guy saying he was like i can't believe we lived like that for so long and i'm like <laughs> yeah man like you're right like how did we do that for so long he's like i can never go back to that that was just great like i keep talking to someone else but i'm just kind of like standing at the apples like listening to him i'm like this is so 
Sure, like that is so true. How do we live so much on the grind, nine to five, Monday to Friday, like just go, go, go. Oh my God, that's exhausting. Like no wonder we are such a, uh, there's so much sickness and disease in this um, society right now. Like no wonder we're pushing ourselves way too hard. And, and for yeah, what? And for who? Right, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I'm yeah, not even a millennial. So like people like, but I admire millennials. I've hired millennials who quit after two days. I'm like, good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. I did like a uh, this sales job for like three days. And then my, my partner at the time came home and I was like showing him all of my scripts and stuff. He's like, this is bullshit like what are you doing I'm like what am I doing and I just never went back and I'm like what the heck was that that was scammy weird like what no there's and they, but they painted in such a dream like oh you're gonna help with this and that you're gonna make all this money blah, blah. I'm like not worth it at all like my dignity is so important to me and like you're right just being able to go and spend time with your kids for five hours like that is such a gift like we don't have that regularly that is such a gift and and to have value around that like that's that's really incredible for sure yeah. um i wanted to talk a bit about uh like faith and spirituality so like i'm curious about what how, how do you connect to spirit like is it just an intuitive thing and then is there like a like you said you used to have a ritual but now with quarantine you're kind of just like all over the place so like how often do you do like some kind of um ritual around the connection or is it just like all the time or what does that look like for you yeah for me um i i tell people i'm like my whole life is a prayer i am constantly talking to spirit and i talk to them just like i talk to you right like <laughs> i talk to my guide just like i talk to you talk to my ancestors just like i talk to you i am in constant conversation with them constant <laughs> and it really i believe the spiritual journey is around faith and trust like if there's two words you can pick to live your life by or to align your spiritual practice by is trust and faith so a lot of people like really ruin the experience because they're expecting an expectation is the thief of joy they are expecting to receive spirit in a certain way when what if all we need to do is just like speak to them give them our wishes give them our fears give them our desires give them our hang-ups and then that's good enough and just know that they are receiving it and when they can and when it serves our highest and greatest good a book will align with us a teacher will align with us an opportunity will arise that they have had they have created for us it's like we put these restrictions on them like you need to answer me now like i'm in meditation i'm like now's the yeah. time when i just focus on communicating with them and i just have trust and faith that in however they see best fit um they will get me a message that they hear me and i just am fully in faith but again i've had a relationship with my guide since i was seven and so i've always had this level of faith and i've always felt um them around and just knowing that they're around just getting shivers once in a while and just all of a sudden feeling emotional and overcome with love, knowing that their presence is here, that's enough for me, right? Mm -hmm. And so we need to really release this romanticized idea and this like these expectations on the spirit world because we're limiting the magic that they could bring into our lives. Absolutely, I feel like movies and media kind of portray it as like this big experience where like a person appears in front of you and starts talking to you or something, but Actually, as you were talking about that, what I remembered, um, I went to acting school last year. It was a full year immersive program. And I think the biggest lesson that I learned from that, it was actually very spiritual, 
was just about allowing and like releasing expectations. And it's actually really helped me in my spiritual journey because I've noticed I just, we get really quiet with our bodies and we just start to notice sensation. It's a lot about sensation awareness and, and, and allowing those sensations to just be present. And that's kind of where the emotion comes for acting. But in, in my spiritual journey, I've just been able to let that be. And, and those little inklings, like I was doing breath work in this workshop one time and you're like breathing really heavily and, and going into it. And I'm kind of like, I don't know what I'm expecting. Like what is it supposed to be? Am I going to get a, a, a download of some breakthrough type of thing? And then I realized, oh no, my back just kind of hurts. And so I just kind of like leaned into that. I'm like, why does my back really hurt right now? Like I'm lying down, like you know, I don't really have any back problems. So I just started to massage it out. And it just reminded me of this memory when I got my first Reiki session. And she said my lower back held a lot of energy because I felt, I felt like no one was supporting me. And as soon as that memory came in, everything clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is the emotions being brought up. And just by allowing it, and then I just, you know, you start kind of like yelling and screaming and whatever in the breathwork, which is interesting because we were at a festival. Um, but it was just so amazing having that training to just allow. Like, yeah. I am not currently pursuing my acting career, but I am so grateful for that education of just like, it really just taught you how to be a human in, yeah. in a sense of just like allowing emotions and. Yeah, yeah, we're always like seeking wisdom from spirit, but we're spirit too right? Like we're made up of the exact same stuff that they are. And we are just as wise and we have just as much information within us. So a lot of the times my guides will just like watch me suffer until I finally sit down and catch my breath and get inspiration and, you know, be in spirit in that moment. And I, I'm always humbled and reminded by that. Like I'm a spirit too. Right. And that's what I got tattooed when I was in the corporate world of my traditional oh, language cool. spirit, because I always wanted to be reminded, like I'm a spirit. Um, yeah. I'm the same as my guide. I was a guide once too. And I'm sure I've been a guide many times and mm -hmm. everything I have is literally within me. And much of what you described is like, I'm finally reading, you can heal your life by Louise Hay. And yeah. this is like the work that she talks about too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And um, one thing actually just that's coming up for me that you mentioned I think you mentioned it in the story a little while ago about um, showing up for spirit and how you would kind of like put on makeup and nice clothes and stuff. Because with, um, with quarantine, I've been very much just like, no makeup, no clothes, like whatever. And as I started filming videos, I've been kind of getting into it. But I'm curious if you can just explain that showing up for spirit, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, when I represent the world of spirit when I show up to do my work and my number one desire in that work is to make the world of spirit proud. And so my ears ringing as I talk about this, it's like, even though people pay to sit with me, I work for spirit, right? And I'm going to see them one day and I'm going to look at them in their light and be like, I hope I did you justice. I hope I did your life justice. I hope I did your message justice. And I'm so aware of that. So I always vow to spirit, I will show up as my best self. And I always have. And so that means doing my hair cute, putting on a bra, doing my face. And mostly I never wear makeup. Like if I'm out and about Squamish, you've been here, it's very low pressure, right? We're all yeah. in Birkenstocks and Lulu's up here. And like, it's not like the city I grew up downtown Vancouver and it's, it's not like that here. And so I just 
put my best foot forward always for the world of spirit. So I make sure I sleep good. I make sure I eat properly that day. I make sure I exercise. I do my face. I do my hair. I'm talking to them while I'm doing my makeup and hair. Okay. We're about to work here today. What kind of fun are we going to have? Is there anything I need to know right now? Um, what, what, what do you want to inspire me with right now that could have to do my reading? So I do that all while I'm doing my makeup and I take proper care of my energy so that I'm able to, um, show up in the best way for the world of spirit. Um, and it, it's very, you know, I get really emotional talking about it, but it's like the greatest honor of my life doing this work. And so I take it very seriously, but not too seriously. Um, I have a lot of fun doing it without a doubt, but um, I always let them know in this way that I'm showing up for you today. Right. It's very important to me. I love that. I, that really is just shifting something within me because I've all like, just the, the idea of like appearance and showing up has, there's many different avenues that I won't really get into, but I've kind of really enjoyed the like comfortable sitting back type of look. Like I'm really kind of shunning that, that corporate um, pro proper put together kind of thing. Yeah. And it's just, but it's so true. Like you are representing that spiritual world for someone who maybe has never gotten a reading before or anything like that. You're like their first experience so you want that to be positive you want them to see that it's not just like hippies in the grass and whatever it's like someone a real professional who has real skills and and gifts to share and wow i really like that yeah thank you yeah. for sharing that Oh, uh, Diane, thank you. I love she said, I'm taking so many notes, y'all are on fire. Thanks, girl. <laughs> I saw a couple here, too. I think she said earlier that she had some Pisces and Virgo, too. And yeah, yeah, Trish here and Alette and Christina, who had a session with earlier. Hey, girl, and Paige, one of my students as well. Hey, guys. Oh, uh, yeah. So many good people. Okay, so my last question for you, we're at the end of our session here, but this is more of like a question to for some advice. So what would be one thing you would say to someone who's hesitant about owning their power. Maybe they've had some inklings, but they're just hesitant because of society, what society says about spiritual people in general. Like, what would you say to someone who has these little inklings, but they're hesitant to, to own and, and discover it further? Heal that shit. <laughs> yeah, literally. I mean, the reason why you're scared is part of your human condition, is part of your human experience. And it's a trigger is an opportunity to heal. And so that's the first step. Heal why you're scared. Like, what is it that you're scared of? And who made you feel like that at first? And how old were you? And then go back and heal that version of yourself. And then you can fully rise to spirit. But you don't have to wait to be healed to do this work. You're, you're healing while you're serving every single time. So yeah. I have a hashtag. I'm going to make t-shirts out of it. It's going to be heal that shit. <laughs> yes! Oh my god, yes! I need that shirt. I need that. Oh my god. I, I say that to people all the time. Not, not in that word, but it's like, everyone has shit and they're dealing with it. Why can't you deal with it too? You know, like, you, a lot of people kind of victimize themselves. Like, they had trauma. Like, we've all been through shit. shit. And especially the ones who are, like, showing up in their successes, they're usually the ones who have gone through the most stuff but they have taken the time to heal it so why can't you do that and you never know where it's going to lead you right there's so much success on the other side of healing and, and it is definitely an ongoing thing for sure and I love um I love Caroline Mice and one of her um 
oh man like it makes it just makes the hair stand up on me but she just says this prayer like i have misplaced my power and i call it back now right mm -hmm. and it's just like one of the most powerful things if i ever step into fear or i don't get scared very much anymore for my readings but up until last year i did i would be like oh, oh like what if they don't like it and i'd be like all <laughs> in my head and then you know i finally started just saying this mantra before my readings like let's just have some fun today let's just see what kind of fun things we can bring out today and i started just having fun with my readings and then they became super powerful but i remember last year having to do this mantra around the scarcity and this like scaredness that i would have and i would just be like you know what spirit i am sorry i have misplaced my power and i call it back now and i literally call it back yeah that is so powerful i love that i for me taurus season was just this entire season of really owning my power i have this really beautiful workbook that was talking about the powers of taurus and how their inner sense of power is so strong. And, and I, I envision it as like a, a beam of light that is just kind of coming through, connecting you to the heavens and then down to the earth and it, and it travels through you. And just that la that season I spent just, just owning that power and making that light shine brighter. And now I, it's just, it's there and it, it's not going away. And I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. It's just owning that. And, and my life has just become so much more aligned ever since that is, just really owning that power because we all every single person has that power and i feel like a lot of people are so distant from it that they don't even realize that they have it but it's always there what was the, what was the mantra i um i've I, lost my i have misplaced my power and i call it back now i have misplaced my power and i call it back now yeah i love it. so so powerful it is. danielle thank you so, so much, much.